far as I know. I've got green lights. said, where there's a will, there's a way. Okay. I want to today, but I'm, I want you to know, first of all, that I pray about these services before I do them. What I'm seeking to do is to be God's servant in your life and to to, you know, I'll be biographical for just a moment. And I, and I would say, you know, I've known Yeshua for 54 years. But as I look back on my life, I see a lot of ordinariness, too much. And, uh, but I also see that God has led me way beyond what I settled for. And uh, <clears throat> I want you to know that uh, I, I want to spare you the regret of having lived an ordinary life because God offers us so much more. And uh, I'm glad that I finally got the message. God kept me alive long enough uh, that I would uh, get wiser. Some people get older without getting wiser. I've, I've gotten a little wiser. So today I want to talk about five sacrifices to activate our life, your life, my life, with God. I couch it this way, I couch the title this way, because in our day and age, unless people see a benefit to themselves, they're not interested. That's just the facts. So I gave it a uh, title, To Activate Your Life with God. <clears throat> and that's good. But really, to tell you the truth, as we mature, we'll realize that our lives are not about what we get out of it. But what does God get out of our life? Yeshua said, I, you have not chosen me. I chose you and I ordained you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. By this is my Father glorified that you, Damon, that you, Josh, that all of you, that Stuart, Micha, that we would bear much fruit and that our fruit should remain. So, as the Holy Spirit deals with us, we come to realize without resentment and without regret that our lives are meant to bring pleasure to God. It's not God that is here to bring pleasure to us, although he does, but that's his grace. Our purpose is to bring a smile to his face. We talked recently about seven foundations for Messianic Jewish worship, and there are three of them up there. Uh, would you go on, go on please? Uh, there we are. There's the first three. We were looking at the book of Ezra, and the Mizbeach uh, was the altar when Ezra and the exiles in 536 BCE came back to Jerusalem to reinstate worship uh, uh, at the temple. The very first thing they did, even though they were threatened by enemies on every side, they built the altar. Because for them, Jerusalem was the place where you worship God. And this is Ahavatzion, this is the love of Zion, we're here to worship God also. So the very first priority for why you great people came out this morning to come to this service is there's something in your heart that I want to, I want to commend. You came here to worship God. You may not realize it, 
but you did. That's what the Holy Spirit brought you for. So the first thing is the Mizbeach, the altar. That's the priority of giving unto the Lord the glory is through his name. The second thing we saw is the Michonah, that is the base. They set this altar on the base of the altar that had formerly been there before the first temple was destroyed. And this reminds us that in, in, in good, solid Messianic worship, there, there's a continuity between what we're doing today and what our ancestors did in the past. We should not be just reinventing everything and, and following the nearest new trend. Oh, God, preserve us from that. We need to have continuity with the past. When I was privileged to found Hashivenu, and I thank God for that, the, uh, the, the basis of it was a verse that comes out of our Torah service. We sang it this morning. Hashivenu Adonai Alecha V'nashuva Chadesh Yemenu Kikedem Bring us back to you, O Lord, and we shall return. Renew our days as of old. And the whole ethos of Hashivenu has been that, that renewal in the present, moving off into God's future, is based on reconnecting with the past, not abandoning it, reconnecting with it. So I make no apologies for the fact that here at Avatzion, we reconnect with the past. I know people, I know at least one person in Los Angeles, a big shot, who's, who tells people freely, oh, Avatzion, the service is so long. Don't much Hebrew. Well, God bless him. Um, uh, reconnecting with the past is the path to renewal, and moving into trendiness is the path to triviality. You can quote me on that, okay? So first there's the Mizbeach, the priority of worship. Secondly, there's the Mechonah, the base, that renewal and, and integrity comes from reconnecting with our past. And then we talked about Moadim, and next week, we're going to be acknowledging the coming of Shavuot. That's uh, one of the three, Shlosh uh, Regalim, one of the three pilgrimage festivals when religious Jews, if they could at all, would go up to Jerusalem three times a year. Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. This is one of the three biggies. And here at Avatzion, we are and we should remain, and God willing, we will, a congregation that doesn't miss the dates on the Jewish calendar because they're not a nuisance. They are connectors which connect us to our people throughout time, and they are occasions to honor God. But what does it mean to worship God? That's the good question. Next one, please, Sean. What does it mean? We talk about worshiping God. What does it mean? I believe to worship God means to offer to him acceptable sacrifices. That's not all it means, but that's the foundation of it. If you think about it in the Bible, you know, we get so used to the Bible that sometimes we don't notice what we're reading. For example, in the Bible, people are offering sacrifices all the time. Before the Jews got to Sinai, before they came out of Egypt, uh, what, what happens with Cain and Abel? Cain and Abel both offer sacrifices. This is in the Garden of Eden. They both offer sacrifices to God. One orders, gives an animal sacrifice, the other gives a grain sacrifice, and God accepts Cain's uh, uh, Abel's sacrifice. But Cain, who offered the grain sacrifice, because what happened was that Abel offered God the firstlings of his flock 
and the fat portions thereof. He gave God the good stuff. His brother gave God a cut. That's the difference. And when God showed favor to Abel's sacrifice of the best that he had, Cain was not happy. But my point is that right here at the beginning of the Bible, this idea of sacrifice as being the norm of worship of God is right there. The book of Job is allegedly the oldest book in the Bible. You get to the first chapter of Job, what is Job doing? He's offering sacrifices for his children just in case they've sinned against God. Now, we miss this because we're so used to it, we don't notice the uh, significance of what we're reading. But sacrifices. Abraham, he leaves Ur of the Chaldees, and if you read the story of Abraham, whenever he comes to a significant place, what does he do? He builds an altar, and he sacrifices to God. So for them, and could we go on? Yes, we could go on. Uh, uh, you find sacrifices all over the Bible, even before the children of Israel get to Sinai. And certainly afterwards, after we have the whole Levitical system, we were reading from the book of Leviticus. Yes, there are sacrifices. So, uh, let's move on, Sean. Now, when we talk about sacrifices, I think the reflex of some people who are not as sophisticated as you would be to say, well, yeah, all the sacrifices are taken care of. You know, we've got Yeshua. Well, Yeshua offered himself as a sacrifice on our behalf. As a matter of fact, he was both the sacrifice and the high priest. So let's look at this quote up here. This is from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. Yeshua entered the holiest place above in heaven once and for all. And he entered not by means of the blood of goats and of calves, but by means of his own blood, thus setting his people free forever. So we do come, and you know, we're so spiritually, I think we've been so spiritually desensitized by the culture around us. We don't recognize, most of us, or most of the time, how extraordinary it is that through the blood of Yeshua, we get to come into the heavenly holy of holies. We get to come as close to God as he is. That's big. And you couldn't do that otherwise. If the high priest of Israel decided one day before Yom Kippur he wanted to go into the holy of holies, what would happen to him? You want fries with that? So we do come into the presence of God. Yes, we come through the holy sacrifice of Yeshua, but is that the only sacrifice that we should occupy ourselves with? And what I'm here to tell you is, my friends, my brothers, my sisters, no, that's not the only sacrifice that we should think of. It's not all done. Because for us to worship God is to offer him acceptable sacrifices. So next one, please, Sean. Through him we offer sacrifices of our own. This is our worship of God. Through him we come into the presence of God, but what do we bring? We bring sacrifices of our own. 
We're actuating, it should be actualizing, sorry, actualizing and activating our identity as a kingdom of priests. God has made us into a mamlechet kohanim, a kingdom of priests. But what does that mean? It means that we stand in the very presence of God offering sacrifices. This is hot stuff. Um, my whole PhD is about priesthood. And if I get, if I get carried away and very excited about this, uh, I mean, this is huge. We actualize and activate our relationship with God. You can be a child of God and yet stay in the cradle. You can be a child of God and not realize what the privileges of it, what the, what the, the grain of it is, what the texture of it is, what the power of it is. But by offering these sacrifices, we begin to both express and experience the meaning of the identity that God has given us. I'll say it again. By offering to God the sacrifices that we should, we both express our identity as a kingdom of priests and we experience what it means. We activate it and we actualize it. So let's go on. There are five sacrifices that we have to offer to activate and actualize our relationship with God. Go to the next one, please, Sean, after that. Thank you. Good. Here's a nice quote from First Peter. First Peter. Would you come up for a minute, Steve? I'd love to hear your voice. He ought to, be, he ought to have a radio show. Okay. Read that. You yourselves as living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be kohanim set apart for God to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to him through Yeshua the Messiah. Okay. Can it be any clearer? We are living stones built in, uh, as a temple. We are, we are supposed to, we are built in, as a temple in order that we might offer acceptable sacrifices to him through Yeshua the Messiah. I could stop the message right now. That's hot enough. Just we, think about that for a week. But I'm going to go a little further. It's good stuff. So let's go to the next slide, please, Sean. I'm looking now at the 13th chapter of Hebrews. It should be up on the slide, but it's not. Hebrews 13, verse 15 and 16, is a major passage that tells us what sacrifices we bring. And I've found five. There are three in Hebrews and two elsewhere. We're going to look at those briefly, and then I'm... Uh, then I'm going to let you chat about it, think about it, and live it out. This is the first sacrifice. Through him, through Yeshua, who loved us and gave himself for us, who brought his own blood into the Holy of Holies and opened the way for all of us, through him, let us offer God what? A sacrifice of praise continually. For this is the natural product of lips that acknowledge his name. We should be a people... That is, uh, we are meant to be a people that is continually, genuinely, enthusiastically full of praise of the God who loved us and sent his son to die for us, of the Messiah who loved us and came and experienced 
of the humiliation of the cross for us, we should be people full of praise for the Holy Spirit who comes to fill us and empower us and to actualize our relationship with God. We, this is the natural product. I love the way it says this. It's the, it's the natural product of lips that acknowledge his name. If we say we know who God is, then what should happen is that we're full of praise of him. I'm not trying to make this a rule. It's not a rule. It's a natural product of the fact that we get it. And we should be a people of praise. So that, oh, I'm smiling, because when I used to travel with Liberator Whaler, when we went to churches of all kinds, sometimes charismatic churches, and it took me about 60 years to raise my hands. You know, people used to laugh at me, you know, I was kind of like a Boy Scout, you know, like this. But we, when we do the music here, when we do the liturgy here, and I want to thank Joshua for being so conscientious about the liturgy. That's our machona, our base, and he does a good job. But when we're doing these things, uh, God forbid you should say, oh, I can't wait till this is over so I can hear the message. The message is nice. I put a lot of effort into it. It's important because God has given you teachers to equip the body of Messiah for the works of service. It's important what I do. But more important than that is that all of us, if we are truly children of God, the natural product of the fact that we acknowledge who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and what he has done, is that we're full of praise of him. And when we do this music and stuff like that, you're really there. You got it? Okay. That's sacrifice number one. Let's go to sacrifice number two, please. This is also in Hebrews 13, 13 verse 15 and 16. Don't forget doing good and sharing with others for such sacrifices God is well pleased. Two sacrifices there. Number two is doing good. You know, this is, this is a conviction of mine. There is nothing, nothing more powerful than unexpected kindness. Um, there is nothing that moves people more deeply and that touches them more sincerely than when they experience unexpected kindness. We should be people who are unexpectedly kind. In the first centuries, how did the believing community of Yeshua believers turn the world upside down? If you read the history, there's a book by uh, Michael Green on evangelism in the early church. Michael Green, good book. What turned the world upside down is the fact that these believers in Yeshua were so humanitarian and so caring. They took care of the sick. They, they took care of the poor. They were, they were um, conspicuously kind. Now, we read about Noah that he was righteous in his generation. And the rabbis comment on this. And they say, it's important to notice he was righteous compared to his generation. Now, is it hard to be righteous compared to our generation? The answer is, are you kidding? It is so easy 
to be conspicuously kind in this wicked and perverse generation that if we are not brothers and sisters, we've got to repent. It doesn't take much. You're standing online in the supermarket, and there's a woman in front of you with three kids who are about four years apart in, in age, and she looks tired. She's got a full basket, and she's three bucks short. What do you do? I don't have to answer that. Um, it's, 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 it's the natural outflow of the fact that we worship God. We should be conspicuously kind, doing good. Go to the next one, please, Sean. Also in the same context, don't forget to do good and to share with others. This is slightly different. This is, we should be conspicuously generous people. <laughs> you know, I know that, believe me, trust me, I know that economically we're going through tough times and every buck matters. But that has nothing to do with whether or not we're generous. I'll tell you a story. Oh. Michael Schiffman, my very good friend, was visiting in Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan is right next to Iran. There are Jews that have been in Azerbaijan since the Second Temple. They're called mountain Jews. And he went to Baku, the capital of Azerbaijan, and he met a man who made a living by selling shoelaces and matches on the steps of a burned out building. Selling shoelaces and matches. Now, uh, this is a great story. So Michael was there as a humanitarian aide, and he wanted to give the man some money. So the man took him back to his place. He's, he wanted to show him hospitality. He took him back to something which could only, with great imagination, be called a hut. It was less than that. And the man took out an avocado or something, and he, he cut it, and he fed it to Michael. Now, he was generous with him. Mike, this, is the, this part of the story will kill you. Michael offered him some money, which would have been about, I don't know, three, four months income. And the man says, it's all right. God takes care of me. <laughs> My point is, is this man was conspicuous in his kindness. He had nothing, but he shared his nothing with this rich American. So we should be people who are conspicuously kind, doing good, and conspicuously generous, sharing. And if we're not, there is no excuse. Sorry to tell you that, but there's no excuse. Because this is the way we actualize and activate our relationship with God. These are the sacrifices with which God is well pleased. This is why God made us to be a mamlechet kohanim, a kingdom of priests. Now we go on to the, the last two sacrifices. This one is from 1 Corinthians. I, I can prove this from, demonstrated from a number of texts. I'll show you two. First one from 1 Corinthians 6. This is sacrifice number four. You offer yourself to God as a living sacrifice. 
Oh, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Ruach HaKodesh who lives inside of you, whom you received from God? The fact is, you don't belong to yourselves. You were bought with a price, so use your bodies to glorify God. Amen. This is uh, writing to the Corinthians who were so full of themselves, they had had so much experience with the Holy Spirit, they were intoxicated. They were like hyper-hyper Pentecostals. Every member of that congregation was a televangelist. And, and they're, 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 they're all praying in tongues constantly, and they think that they've arrived. They think that the age to come has so much arrived. I believe the age to come has already begun, but it's not fully here. We're experiencing the foretaste. Well, they thought they had it all. They didn't think they were going to die. They thought they were, they were the cat's meow. And they also felt that what you do with your body is not important. What's important is the spirit. Man, spiritually, spiritually, we're like the angels. Man. And he says, wait a minute. True spirituality is presenting your body as a living sacrifice. That means, to me, the practicality of what you do with your body. It's not just your sexuality. It's your activity. It's you present yourself entirely, not as a dead sacrifice, as a living sacrifice. That's a, a real kind of contradiction in terms, very gripping. But it means you're totally sold out. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. He says that's your reasonable service of worship, or as, or as, as, um, uh, as we'll see in Romans 12, uh, Dr. Stern translated as, it's your temple worship. Let's look at the next slide. This is the same point. I exhort you, therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercies, to offer yourselves as a sacrifice, living and set apart for God. This will please him. It is the logical temple worship for you. This is what it means for us to be priests to God. This is part of the sacrificial life we offer ourselves. God, I am yours. Do with me whatever you want. I am your servant. You are the king. It's not, what can I get Yeshua to do for me today? What can I get God to do for me? You know, there was a book on prayer, on prayer that I heard about years ago. It's called Prayer, Getting Things from God. And there are many people who think that that's what it is. God bless them. I'm not here to throw stones. But that's not it. Offer yourselves to God as a sacrifice, living and set apart for him. This is your logical temple worship. This is what it means for me, for you, to be a kingdom of priests. Finally, finally, number five. Sacrifice number five, presenting the good news and bringing others to serve him. This is what Paul says. Paul speaks of it this way. The grace of God has been given to me to be a servant of the Messiah Yeshua for the Gentiles with the priestly duty of presenting the good news of God so that the Gentiles may be an acceptable offering made holy by the Ruach HaKodesh. That's sacrificial language all over the place. Um, we should be people who 
not in an annoying way, not in a compulsive way, but we should be people who are captivating people, who are attractive in the way we deal with people. When people say to us, what is it with you? Then we have a chance to say, what it is with me is that I've come to know God in a very living way, and I'd love to tell you about it. Uh, that's, that's our fifth sacrifice, the sacrifice of telling the good news to people. This is what brings a smile to the face of God. So I've given you five sacrifices. If we do this, last one. If we do this, what will it accomplish? First of all, we will actualize and activate our relationship with God. Secondly, we'll more deeply know the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Um, the fire of the Spirit will come and light up these sacrifices. Yeshua said in the Gospel of John, He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. If you're hungry for the manifestation of God. God meets us on the path of obedience. As you offer these sacrifices, actualizing and activating your relationship with God, you will be, uh, I'm smiling, because it doesn't get any better than the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And that's what will happen, because this is what you were made for. And God is not Stingy. Uh, Yeshua said, Fear not, little flock. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And he says, Which of you, if he has a son and he asks him for, a, for an egg, will give him a stone? Or he asks for a fish, he'll give him a, a scorpion, a, a serpent, or whatever? He says, If you, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God is extraordinarily generous. But uh, we need to make sure that we're not passive and uninvolved. My suggestion is to begin offering these sacrifices and see what God does. Because God said to Eli, the old man, through the child prophet Samuel, those who honor me, I will honor if we honor God, he'll honor us and watch what happens. Shabbat Shalom.